I want you to grab your Bible, grab your Bible real quick and turn with me to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and go all the way to the last chapter in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 50. Uh, we are going to continue in our series, we're going to continue in our series uh, uh, on forgiving others. Forgiving others, feeling forgiven, and giving forgiveness. Uh, last week, I, I usually do a, a little uh, uh, review of what I do the week before when I'm doing a series, but for the sake of time, uh, there's a lot I want to say today, so I'm not going to do that. I, want, I would encourage you, uh, if you did not get last week's lesson and message, I want you to go back on our website and watch that. Uh, we really talked about the dangers and what takes place with unforgiveness. When you refuse to forgive the person that's hurt you, uh, when you refuse to forgive the issue that's come against you, it is a very, very dangerous thing to do. And so I want you to go back and watch that. But today, I want to talk about things you need to know, things you need to know that will help you Forgive the person who's hurt you in your life. And we're going to take this from the story of Joseph. And uh, uh, for those that are unfamiliar with the story, I'm going to briefly go through it. And then we're going to look at these verses here in Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis 50 verse number 15. Genesis chapter number 50 and verse number 15. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead... They said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. In other words, they said, uh-oh, we are in trouble. Joseph is going to pay us back now. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin." For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of thy, the God of thy father. So first they're uh, saying, listen, I want you to forgive us for our father's sake. And uh, if that's not good enough, uh, just know we're servants of God. So they want to try to bring God into this deal. Now we pray thee. And Joseph wept when he, they spake unto him. Now watch this. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not. Fear not. He's already forgiven these guys. He's already forgiven them. And now he's going to tell you some things that he knows that helped him forgive them. Fear not, for am I in the place of God? There's a question mark. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now let's pray and we'll, we'll jump right in today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for your mercy and your kindness and your forgiveness toward us. Lord, I need your help today. I need your help. There are so many people that are hurting. There are so many people that need healing. Uh, Lord, there are so many people that's been wounded in life. And, and Lord, they need to be able to offer forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that you'll take the truth in this word, that, that, that it will encourage them and strengthen them 
and give them the ability to make the decision to let it go, make the decision to forgive them today. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to I wanna briefly uh, kind of run through the story of Joseph, uh, and then we'll jump right into the chapter, okay? So if you're unfamiliar with the story of Joseph, Joseph was 17 years old, and he was his father's favorite. He had several brethren, and, 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 but he was the golden child. He was the father's favorite. He had a special coat that his father made him, and, and he had a dream. And he, God, God gave him a dream that basically said that his, his mother and father and his brother were going to bow down to him. And this made his brothers hate him even more. They were jealous of him. They hated him. They despised him. And they concocted a scheme one day uh, at 17 years of age, and they took him and were going to kill him. They were going to take his life, destroy him, and they stripped him of his garment, that favorite coat that his father had made them, and threw him in a pit. And while they were deliberating what to do, uh, gypsies came by, and they ended up selling Joseph into slavery. Here he is, 17 years old. He's been, he's been just brutalized by his brothers, most likely abused, maybe beat up, uh, stripped of everything he had, and sold into slavery. Well, as he goes into slavery, and remember, I'm doing just a brief, just a real quick, real quick deal. Go back and read it. It's really good stuff. Uh, he is now a slave in Egypt. He's a slave in a foreign land. And he ends up in a place, uh, uh, Potiphar's house, all right? Potiphar uh, seen the favor of God on him and, and became, became Potiphar's favorite. And now he's over the whole household. And as time goes by, Potiphar's wife eyes him and sees him as a handsome man and, and has, has uh, intentions toward him that are dishonorable. And she tries, to, uh, she tries to seduce him, but he has character and he has discipline. And he says, we can't do that. Well, she lies about him and says that he tried to rape her and has him thrown in prison. I mean, it just seems like Joseph's life is going from bad to worse. And now he's in prison. But once again, uh, God's favor is on him, and he becomes the, the head of the prison's favorite. And while he is there in prison, uh, there are two people that had a dream. Uh, the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. They had a dream. And they couldn't figure it out, so Joseph interprets the dream for them. And the butler, the baker is killed, but the butler is put back in place and gives his job back. And to make a long story short, Joseph said, please remember me. Remember me. Uh, remember what I did for you. Remember how I served you and I helped you. And please get me out of here. Remember me. But guess what? Guess what? The butler forgot him. The butler forgot him. He was blessed by Joseph and he was forgotten. Later on, two full years later, two full years later, uh, Pharaoh has a dream now and he can't figure it out. Uh, the butler remembers Joseph all of a sudden. Says, oh, oh, there was, a, there was a person that helped me in prison. They bring Joseph up. And, and, and as you know the story, uh, Joseph became prime minister of Egypt and all the affairs of Egypt came to him. The only one above him was Pharaoh, and he basically came to a throne of royalty. And, and he delivered the nation of Egypt, and he delivered the people around him because he knew that there was a famine coming, and, and they prepared for the famine, had much food laid aside, and, uh, and, and now here he is on the throne. Well, the famine affects everybody around them, including Joseph's family back home. 
his brothers and they hear about Egypt having bread and Egypt having grain. And, and so they come to try to buy grain. And like I'm saying, I'm doing this fast, make a long story short. They, they come to know Joseph. Joseph goes and brings them all to Egypt and he's taking care of them. He's taking care of them. He has forgiven the abuse of his brothers and he is taking care of them. And now the father dies. Now the father dies and the brothers are thinking, oh, it's over now. He's just been waiting. He's just been waiting. He hasn't killed us because of the, for the sake of his father. But now that the father's gone, we are in trouble. And so they try to appeal to the mercy of Joseph. And Joseph is trying to explain to them that he has long been forgiven them and everything's okay. And in these verses, we find several things about God that Joseph knew and it helped him be able to forgive his brothers. Now, now, now let's think about this a minute. Three different particular situations, three different particular situations took place in Joseph's life that would have caused great bitterness in most people. He was abused. He was abused and sold by his brethren. He, listen, he was accused. He was accused and imprisoned by this woman who uh, uh, lied and said he raped her or tried to rape her. Then he was used by the butler and then forgotten. Have you ever been abused? Have you ever been accused? Have you ever been just used by somebody and then forgotten? Do you know and remember the feeling and, and, and the heartbreak and the pain and the wounds that that caused? Well, Joseph has experienced all of this, every bit of this in the short period of time in his life, but yet he was able to forgive it. Yet he was able to let it go. Yet he was able to allow and put it in God's hands and go forward in his life. And God used him in a great way and brought joy and peace in Joseph's life. But what in the world, what in the world did Joseph know? What did he know that, that, that gave him the ability to forgive the people that abused him? That for, to be able to forgive the people that accused him? To be able to forgive the people that just used him and then forgot him? Well, there's three things in these two verses, I think, verses uh, 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 19 and 20, that we're going to see. What Joseph knew that gave him the support, gave him the ability to forgive those that have wounded him. Well, number one, if you're, if you're looking at this, we see Joseph's response to his brothers. And, and the Bible says in verse number 19, let's do this quickly because i got a lot to cover. Verse 19, and Joseph said unto them, fear not, you don't have nothing to worry about. You don't have nothing to be afraid of. In other words, he's saying, this is, this is a done deal. I've already forgiven you. If you go back in chapter 45, you'll find out where Joseph forgave his brothers when he saw them. And, and now he's just, he's just reiterating what's already been done and telling them why he was able to do it. He says in verse number 19, fear not. Now he gives a question. Now he gives a question. For am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? Number one, if you're going to be able to forgive those that's wounded you, if you're going to be able to forgive those that's hurt you, you're going to have to know the place of God. You're going to have to know the place of God. And let me explain that. What Joseph is saying here, he's saying, how can I judge you? How can I hold a grudge against you? How can I avenge you? Am I in the place of God? 
Do you want me? Do you want me to act as God? That's not my place to judge. That's not my place to do these things that you're thinking is going to happen. That is God's place. What is God's place? Well, if you're writing notes down, first of all, I want you to see that this is God's place to judge. It is God's place to judge. It's not man's place. It's not my place. It's not your place. It's God's place to judge. The Bible says in John 5, 22, The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ's place to judge. Acts 6, 17, 31. Watch this now. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge. Watch this now. You got to get this. He will judge the world in righteousness. In righteousness. What, What does that mean? What does that mean? That means this. That God has given judgment to the Son. And The son is going to judge in righteousness. In other words, perfectly, in a right way, in a right frame. Now, what is judgment? Judgment is determining guilt, determining fault, determining what is the issue at hand. It is God's place to do that. And he's going to judge by his son. It is not my place. It is not your place. Why? We're unqualified. We're imperfect people. We are not righteous at the core, but God is perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous. He is all-knowing, and He will do all things well. He was the only one qualified to do it right. We don't know all things. We don't know all situations. We don't know the motives of people's hearts that's hurt us. We don't know all of these things. We are not qualified to judge. It is God's place to judge. Joseph is saying, I can't judge you. I can't, be, I can't hold a grudge against you. I'm not in God's place. I don't know everything. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. When you withhold forgiveness and you don't forgive the person that's hurt you, you're trying to take the place of God. You're trying to put yourself in the place of God, in the place of judgment. And you're not qualified. Not only is this a place, it's God's place to judge, but be It's God's place to avenge. It's God's place to avenge. You see, judgment is determining guilt. Avenging, avenging is appropriating punishment. It's appropriating punishment. Look what the Bible says. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I will repay, saith the Lord. Preacher, what are you saying? It's not my place to determine guilt. It's not my place to judge. It's not my place to appropriate uh, punishment. It's not my place to avenge my issue, avenge my wound and my loss. That's God's place. He's the only one qualified. He's the only one righteous enough to do it in a right way, in a pure and holy way. It's not my place. Joseph is saying, you don't have nothing to worry about for me because I'm not going to try to put my place in the place of God. I'm not going to take the place of God. That's not my place. Only God can do that judging. Only God can determine what's right and what's wrong. Only God can determine the guilt of a person. Only God can appropriate righteous 
Listen, righteous punishment. God said, I will take care of it. Hey, listen, that takes a lot of pressure off of us. It takes a lot, a lot of strain off of us knowing that, hey, God's going to take care of everything. Don't you worry about the one. I will take care of that. Listen, what did Joseph know? He knew the place of God. He knew it was God's place to judge. He knew it was God's place to avenge. He knew it was God's place to appropriate whatever punishment was needed. God would know what was needed and God had the ability to appropriate it. Listen, do you know that unforgiveness is taking the place of God? You're putting yourself in God's place and you're not qualified for that place. Listen, number two, number two, not only did he know the place of God, but please get this one. This is really going to help some of you guys. Look in verse number 20. He says, but as for you, as for you, talking about his brethren, talking about the ones who hurt him, the ones who wounded him in such a, such a abusive way. He said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. But God meant it unto good. Now, what does that mean? Not only, not only did Joseph know the place of God, but Joseph knew the power of God. Joseph knew the power of God. Now, what does that mean? What, what, what power of God do we need to have confidence in? First, it, it was his power to anticipate. It was his power to anticipate. The Word of God calls it God's foreknowledge. What does that mean? It means that God knew it was going to happen. God was well aware of the abuse that would take place. God was well aware of the wounding that would happen. He knew what was going to take place. It's called foreknowledge. What does that mean that God ordained it or God did it? No, 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 no. The Bible says, the Bible says very clearly in James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any man. It says in 1 John 1, 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. By no means did God ordain sin or ordain evil or wickedness, but he had the foreknowledge to anticipate it. He knew exactly what was going to take place. He knew exactly what was going to happen in his wisdom, in his foreknowledge, in his infinite, infinite knowledge. He could anticipate what was going to take place in Joseph's life. But listen, that's not all. That's not all. He not only had the power to anticipate, but he had the power to manipulate. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. If you'll get this, this will help you. This will help you. He had the power to manipulate. He could anticipate the future. He could anticipate what was going to happen. And he had the ability to manipulate it. So it turned out for Joseph's good. Do you realize the people that hurt you? Do you realize your enemy? Do you realize the people that come against you? They are intending evil. They are intending wickedness. They are intending to wound you and to hurt you. But you have a God who can anticipate any action that's taken against you. You have a God that can anticipate whatever struggle, whatever fight that you are in. And he has the ability to manipulate it to turn out to your good. Say amen right there where you're sitting. Look what it says. You thought evil 
You were wrong. You were guilty. You Listen, you came against me and you hurt me, but God meant it. What? The wound. Everything that took place, God meant it for good. Now, now, the word meant here does not necessarily just mean intent. In other words, in other words, I, I meant to do such a, that meant you, you were intending, it was, it was your, you, 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 were, you were trying to accomplish, that's not what that word meant means, alright? This is what the word meant means. In Hebrew, it means this, it means to weave, to braid, to fabricate, y'all get that? To weave, just, just bring in and weave and, and to braid uh, and fabricate to make something. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, for all things work. Y'all with me? For all things work together for good. Now, that word work there, it's almost the same, it's almost the same definition. It means to work in. To, to, like you would knead dough, you'd put ingredients in a bowl and you would work it together, work it together, work it together. What does that mean? Do you realize that God has the power, God has the ability not only to anticipate the, the wounds that come your way, but he's already working behind the scenes to manipulate that issue, to manipulate that wounding, to manipulate that pain, to manipulate that suffering, so it comes out to your good. So it comes out not to hurt you in the long run, but to bless you in the long run. The devil comes with a weapon and God manipulates it. God changes it. God puts it in a way where it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't curse you. It blesses you in your life. Joseph said, you tried to hurt me, but God just blessed me. Listen, you tried to bring evil against me, but God has the ability to weave it and to braid it, fabricate it in such a way that it is a blessing unto me. Somebody say, man, you threw me in a pit, but God put me in a palace. God put me in a palace. That's your God. That's the God you pray to. That's the God you serve. That's the God your faith is in. He can take every wound that's come against you. He can take every hurt and every pain, every situation that you thought was going to destroy you and take you down. God has the ability to fabricate it and work it and bring it about for your good. Oh, do you see this? Man, everything that has come against you in your life, God knew it. God has foreknowledge and he's already working behind the scenes to bring it to your good. Listen, he says, I can't hate you. I know you tried to hurt me and you did hurt me. Let's, I mean, let's not, uh, let's not be uh, uh, naive about this. He was hurt. He probably laid in bed and thought about these things and, and all that abuse that he had gone through, abused, accused, and used in all these situations. But yet he knew God had ability. God had the power to turn it all around. If, if, listen, if he put it in God's hands. Why do you need to let God be in his place and you be in your place? Because God can manipulate it and turn it around for your good. But if you try to take the place of God, you don't have that ability. You don't have the ability to manipulate situations that come into your life to bring it about for good. So the best thing we can do is forgive them and let it go and place them in God's hands and go forward with our life. 
Listen, he knew the power of God. He knew the place of God. He knew God had the ability. He knew God had the ability to work things together. The Bible says in Romans for how many things? How many things? For all things work together. Say that with me. For all things work together. What, what, what things? All things. Happy things. Sad things. Listen, encouraging things. Hurtful things. Listen, things that brought great pleasure to your life. Things that brought, brought great pain to your life. God brings them in. He brings them and He uses them. Listen, He doesn't ordain sin and He doesn't ordain wickedness, but He can take it and He's got the power to, to work it into your life to bring about something that's good. You know, there's some medicine that you take by itself. It'll kill you. It's poisonous. But they can mix it with other medicines and it can bring healing to your life. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that God has power to change things. God has power to manipulate the things that's hurt you, manipulate the situations that's caused you great pain. God has the ability to turn it all around. But ladies and gentlemen, He can't do that if you're standing in His place. You got to get out of the way. You got to get out of the way and let God do His God thing. You're not God. You need to forgive them and say, God, they're yours. I'm not carrying this burden anymore. I'm not carrying this burden anymore. I'm letting this go. You, you take care of whatever needs to take care of and do in my life what you see fit. Bring about the good out of this painful situation that I'm in. Forgive them. How did Joseph forgive those that had hurt him so bad? Because he knew, he knew, he knew the place of God. He knew the power of God. The power to anticipate anything that came in his life. The power to manipulate all things that came into his life for his benefit, for his good. God has that ability. But then I want you to see lastly, this is so big, this is so big. Not only did he know and understand God's place, but he knew and understood God's power. But then I want you to see this. He understood God's plan. God had a purpose. Joseph couldn't see it while he was sitting in the pit. Joseph couldn't see it while he was sitting in Potiphar's house as a slave. Joseph couldn't see it when he was sitting in prison. He didn't see that God was behind the scenes moving him closer to his destiny. God, he had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. Listen, that dream seemed like it was so long ago. That dream seemed like just that, a dream. His dream had become a nightmare and it seemed like every step he took went from bad to worse. But when God was through, he was sitting on a throne in a palace because God had a plan. God had a purpose. Look what he says. He said, listen, am I in the place of God? That's number one. He knew the place of God. He said, as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it for good. God took the evil you intended and he worked it and fabricated it and he manipulated it in such a way that it was a blessing to me. But then he says this, he manipulated all those things. He manipulated and changed and worked all those issues in my life to bring about what's happened now. To bring to pass, watch what it says. 
to bring to pass in verse number 20, to bring to pass and it is this day to save much people alive. To save much people alive. Now, in your notes, in your notes, I put in there Genesis chapter 45. This was the first time Joseph forgave his brothers. And I put all of these together, what he says, what he says in chapter 45, and then what he says in chapter 50. Now let's put them together. Watch this. The first time he met up with his brothers, they were scared to death. They said, oh, we're in trouble. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's okay. He says in verse 4, and Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. This is the first meeting when they recognized him. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. Watch this now. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God, watch this now, God sent me before you, look at this word, to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, but God. Now, when we put chapter 45 and chapter 50 together in the outcome, in, in, in describing the outcome, There's four things that I wrote down that we take out of these verses. One was preserve life. Preserve life. Preserve a posterity. A great deliverance. Save much people alive. Now I want to give you two things. I want to give you two things in the purpose of God that I want you to write down. I want you to to write this down. I want you to write this down. This This is so big. When it comes to God's purpose in life and God's plan in life, there is a big picture. There is an ultimate purpose and plan of God for not only your life as an individual, but the planet as a whole, every human being alive. And so what did Joseph know about God's plan or God's purpose? A, there is a direct purpose. There is a direct purpose. In other words, that means for the individual. Everything that happens in your life, God is, God is orchestrating it because He wants to accomplish something in you as an individual. Do you hear what I'm saying? God has a direct purpose just for you. Just for you as an individual. Things have happened in your life. Happy things have happened. Sad things have happened. Good things have happened. Bad things have happened. And all of these things, God is manipulating. God is working together. God is braiding it so that it will do something to you and in you. What would that be? What is his direct purpose for you? Christ-likeness. To become like Christ. Do you get that? Let's go back to Romans. Romans 8.28, right? Romans 8.28, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. But what is His purpose? Verse 29, for whom He did foreknow, right? Right? For them He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, predetermine that they would what? Be conformed to the image of His Son. 
Preacher, what are you saying? It is God's purpose. It is God's plan. It is God's desire to change you and conform you and develop you into the image of His Son. Preacher, where are you getting that? Great day in the morning. Where are you getting that idea? Well, let's think about this. Do you know there's more chapters? There's more chapters devoted to Joseph than any character in the, in the, in, in, in the book of Genesis? Abraham probably, you think, well, Abraham's the most important one. Joseph has more chapters about him than Abraham does. Any other character. Do you realize that Joseph is the greatest image of God? The greatest Old Testament representation of Jesus Christ? Than, than any other. He's the greatest picture of Christ in the Old Testament than any other character. We know Isaac, he put the wood on his back and went up the hill uh, and he was going to be sacrificed. That's a great picture of Christ. But do you realize that there are many more things about Joseph that shows a picture of Christ than anybody? He was hated by his brethren. What's the Bible say about, what does the Bible say about Jesus? He came into his own and his own received him not. The Jews hated him. The, the religious hierarchy hated him. He was hated by his brothers. He was his father's favorite. He was his father's favorite. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased, talking about Jesus. He was sold. He was sold for money. Jesus was sold by Judas for money. He was, ended up in a pit. Jesus ended up in a pit, a prison. He was lied about. He was betrayed. All of these things, he took a Gentile bride. Jesus has taken a primarily Gentile bride, the church. Oh, there's so many example after example after example. What's happening? While Joseph is in the pit, he doesn't realize it. When Joseph is as a slave, a servant, Jesus made himself a servant. Philippians chapter number 2, when he was a servant, he didn't realize it. Oh, when he was in prison as a prisoner, he didn't realize it. But boy, when he ascended the throne and took upon a, a, a Gentile bride, oh, but when you take back and look at the whole picture, he looks like Christ. He looks like Christ. Everything in his life that God brought into his life or God allowed in his life conformed him to paint a picture of Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the pain that you experience. The pain that you experience. God can use that to make you more Christ-like. Let me, let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. When Jesus was being nailed to a cross, what did he say? What did he say? Father... Forgive them. I'm talking about while they were nailing him to a cross. He didn't have to process it. He didn't have to take some time to digest it and process it. In the midst of the action, he forgave those who were hurting him. He forgave those who were hurting him. Watch this now. God has allowed some pain in your life. God has allowed a wound in your life to give you an opportunity to be just like Jesus. God has given you an opportunity to be just like Jesus. I got I to gotta quit. I got to quit. But you need to understand you're never more like God than when you forgive. You see, God has given you opportunities to let something go. 
God has given you opportunities to forgive someone that's hurt you so you can be just like His Son. Not only is there a direct purpose, but B, write this down, there's a divine purpose. There's a divine purpose. What did He say? This is what stood out to me. This is what stood out to me. He said, Joseph, or Joseph's telling his brethren, you see, God God sent me for a great deliverance. God sent me to save much people alive. God sent me to save you as a posterity. I looked that word up. It means generations. It means generations. Do you know what he's saying there? Joseph is saying, God sent me here not just to deliver you and to make sure you make it, but to make sure your great, 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 great grandson makes it. Now, who would be a great, 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 great grandson of one of the children of Israel? The Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if Israel was to die out, if all the people of Israel was to die out, then God's promise would not come to pass. God's word would be false. But God was not only delivering the nation of Israel, but He was making sure His divine plan would come to pass and Jesus would come forth and be the Savior of the world. You see, what did Joseph know? What did Joseph know about God's purpose? Joseph knew, he said, this ain't just about me. This this is not just about me. Do you realize that your pain and your suffering is not just about you? That God has got a bigger plan in mind? God's got a bigger deliverance in mind? That that God's got an ultimate purpose in mind? Do you remember, you want to know why we stay in an unforgiven state where we refuse to forgive somebody? We make this life all about us. You know what Paul said? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what Paul learned about contentment, peace, joy, and happiness? That he didn't make his life about Paul. He made his life about Christ. And even though Paul was beaten with rods, even though he was shipwrecked, even though he was stoned and left for dead, even though he had all of these abuses against him, he did not hold it because his life was not about Paul. His life was about honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and revealing Christ to others through his life and behavior. Have you made life all about you? Are you sitting there holding on to your grudge? Are you sitting there holding on to your pain like it's a security blanket? Well, stop making life all about you and make it about him. Say, Lord, if I'm more like Christ, let me be like Christ. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. All that pain you've been carrying around, all of that suffering, all of that anxiety, all of that depression, all of those those things that have come against you because you've refused to forgive and you're holding on to that pain and it's still raw and it's still hurting and you are eat up with bitterness, God will heal it all. God will heal it all. Do you realize that when you don't forgive, you're trying to stand in the place of God? Do you realize you don't understand the power of God and what God can do with this? Do you realize when you don't forgive, 
and let God handle things, you, you, you do not understand the ultimate purpose, I want you to do this. Say, God, please forgive me for being unforgiven. Please forgive me for holding grudges and help me, give me the strength and power to let it go and trust you.